Some of my favorite memories of summer involved being around a campfire. I remember a few years back, I was working at a church and every summer we would find a place where a bunch of families could camp together. Now at night, we'd meet at one family's fire and it was mostly just hanging out and trying to perfect the roasted marshmallow. <laughs> now, but you know that when you get five or six families around a campfire, it can be a lot of fun and bring a lot of noise. <laughs> but in this camp, there was a, a very strict rule that you had to abide, abide by. One of the rules was that by 10, it had to be quiet. But when you have that many families in one campsite, it's going to be hard to keep them all quiet. Now, I remember at one point in the evening, I was sitting around the fire and I was getting this feeling that someone had joined our circle. And I turned around and I saw a park, a park ranger standing just outside our, our raucous circle. And in a very quiet voice, he said, excuse me, guys, excuse me, guys. Almost whispering like he's trying to set an example. Excuse me, it's past 10 and it's quiet time. And I was walking past the campsite three down and I could hear you. He's whispering like he's sitting beside you, although he's 15 feet away. <laughs> the way the guy said it and how serious he was, it, it made the whole group of us just burst out in laughter. And it, it made a memory. Campfires make memories. Campfires are a place where you can connect with others. And today, we'll see fire is also a place where God can connect with you. We've been in this series for a few weeks now, and it's called Stories Around the Campfire, where we're looking at different Bible stories around fires. But before we jump into our story today, I found that no matter who you are, you have to believe in something. I would, I would even go on to say that everyone looks for something to believe in. Now, the average person may not communicate it that way, but there is something within everyone that wants to know that there is something else out there that guides them, that will help them. Now, some of us might call it a foundation of some sort of faith. Some people have this desire to believe in something bigger than themselves. This makes people set up things in their lives that are their God, that are important, that help them put this confusing world together and make sense. Now, even people who don't believe in God believe in something because it's really hard to believe in nothing. Now, even if you're watching today and you don't believe that there's a God, that's still a belief system. Your, your belief is that there is nothing to believe in. But it's what you believe in, what you trust, that's important. What, what you're putting in the place to guide you, that's one of the most important decisions that you can ever make. Yeah. If you call yourself a Christian or a Jesus follower, we believe that our trust should go towards Jesus. We believe that we were made to worship. Every single person on the face of the earth has this instinct to worship something. But in our society, people believe in many things. We, we worship many things. We, we take what should be in the place of God and we put something else there. What, what, what these are, these are really false gods. It, it could be your job, it could be your money or your family. Some, some people worship their favorite pop star or their favorite politician. These can be dangerous things to worship because false gods promise what only a true God provides. And one day, one day, all these false gods will let you down. So what is a true God? Now, I know this isn't a perfect definition or complete, but a true God brings you hope and security. It knows you personally. He knows you personally and doesn't let you down. There are many things that people can put in this place of authority. And 
the most popular thing to put in the place of God right now is, is yourself. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I think it's important to have self-confidence and understand that when you work hard, we can accomplish some amazing things, but don't be confused. You don't do anything great all by yourself. But some people think that they don't need anyone else. They are independent people. They, they feel like they are all they need. These people have made themselves their God. They are the only one that they trust. Now you might think, who doesn't trust themselves? Is there, if there's anyone that I should trust, shouldn't it be me? Now, let me prove to you really quickly that you make a poor person to follow all the time. I think we would all agree that we've all made some terrible decisions. Do you know the one common denominator, the one person who's been a part of all the terrible decisions that you've ever made? <laughs> you. You are the common denominator. You being in charge of you is a terrible decision. We all make terrible gods because we can't make, make stop, stop making bad decisions for ourselves. Today, we're going to be looking at a campfire story where people had put something in their lives where the true God should have been. This week, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 18. Feel free to turn there now if you can follow along in your Bibles or log on with your YouVersion app. We're going to be covering 20 verses today, and we're going to be putting some of the verses up on the screen. But before we go there, maybe just a little, little bit of background. Now, today, we're, we're going to look at a story about Elijah. Now, Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament, or, or some people call it the Hebrew scriptures. The land that Elijah lived in was in this terrible drought. And God told Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18 that if he presented himself to King Ahab, then God would send rain. <laughs> I'm not sure if God shared the whole plan with Elijah at the time, but there's a problem. This king didn't like Elijah. Elijah was actually in hiding because Ahab wanted him dead. Now, Ahab was an interesting guy. He was married to this woman that you may have heard of before. Her name was Jezebel. She wasn't very nice. Ahab was the 19th consecutive evil king, and the author of Kings says he did more evil in the eyes of God than anyone before him. So we're dealing with the worst of the worst. Of, of all his long list of sins and wickedness, the worst thing he did was he continued to turn the hearts of the people away from the one true God toward the false gods of Baal and Asherah. You know, now in Elijah's world, many people were living in idolatry. They were worshiping and serving false gods. Now, they might not look like the gods we just talked about. They don't look like themselves or money, but they were gods that one day were going to let them down. Now, Baal he was the sun god or the fire god. The people were no longer worshiping the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Instead, they were worshiping the false gods. The, the false gods promised, if you worship me, we'll make your crops grow. If you worship me, then you'll have a better life. If you worship me, I'll bring rain. Now, don't forget, false gods promise what only the true god provides. As the story in 1 Kings 18 goes, he, Elijah was called by God to confront Ahab. And he basically says this, because of your idolatry, because you put false gods in the place of where God should be, God has sent me to tell you that it's not going to rain in God, until God tells me to pray and ask it to rain. So there's this major drought. People are probably dying and it's probably not a great place to live. So let's pick up this story in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 20. 
So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, how much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. Elijah, he lays it on the line for them. He gets in their faces and he says, it's time to decide. Follow someone, make a decision. The story goes on and Elijah lays out the plan. You know, we're going to have a contest. (laughs) We're going to get two young bulls and sacrifice them and put them on the altars to our gods. I know it's a little weird for us today, but we won't set fire to the sacrifice. That will be the job of our gods. Then Elijah says, you go first. You set up your altar and call on your God to set fire to your altar. You can call on the name of your God and then I'll call on the name of my God and we'll, we'll see who answers. Whoever answers by fire, they'll be the real God. And like I said before, the people who worship Baal think that they have this in the, in the bag because they worship the fire God. Now, maybe just a few ideas about fire. Fire is important for survival in that time of our world. And in the Old Testament, fire is a representation of the presence of God. We see this in a lot of different narratives. When the people of Israel were wandering the wilderness, they were guided by a pillar of fire. So in essence, Elijah was saying, we're going to see who the real fire God is, what God is going to show up. When fire shows up, it's a sign that the real God has shown up. At that time, fire was also connected to the lightning of the storm gods. In many ancient scripts, Baal is shown as the storm god with lightning bolts in his hands. Legend has it that he built his house, his house with lightning. So to his, worship, to, to his worshipers, Baal was the fire god. No wonder when this plan was proposed, the author of the book says, all the people agreed. The people of Baal, Baal thought they had this in the bag. They served the fire god, Elijah. Do you even know who you're messing with? The third thing in the story that fire represented was fire represents the acceptance of the sacrifice. The country was in drought and the people were asking their gods to come and help. And since both the people who follow Baal and the people who follow Yahweh were both asking for rain, they had a problem because if rain came, both parties would say, well, it's because we called our God to come and help. And he did. This competition is to show who the true God was, the one that was going to send rain. It's interesting that God is speaking in their language. In this special event, he's talking about fire. They wanted a God of fire. He was going to meet them on their terms. He was going to show them that he was the God of fire as well. Let's pick up this story in, in the people who worship Baal. Were, the, the people of Baal were going first. Verse 26, so they, the Baal worshipers, prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. Now we're talking all morning. They're shouting, oh, Baal, answer us. But then there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced. They're hobbling around the altar they had made. Now maybe, maybe Elijah is watching somewhere in the shadows because he comments about what's happening. Verse 27, about new time, Elijah began mocking them. <laughs> After watching for hours, he can't take it anymore. He starts trash talking them and it gets a little funny. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed. For surely, you know, for sure he's a God. Maybe your God can't hear you. Perhaps he's daydreaming. <laughs> now here's the best part. Or maybe 
he's relieving himself. Elijah literally says, maybe your God's on the toilet. Now, that's just funny to me. Maybe he can't get away from the Instagram reels, or maybe your God just needs a little more fiber. <laughs> then Elijah continues, or maybe he's away on a trip or is asleep and needs to be wakened. You think, you think this might stop the Baal worshipers, but that didn't make them stop. They, they just tried harder. Verse 28, so they shouted louder and following their normal customs, they cut themselves with knives and swords and the blood gushed out. They, they raved. Uh, I guess this means they had their glow-in-the-dark bracelets and the bass was cranked. Uh, okay, probably not. Maybe you don't know what a rave is. Just Google it. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but still no sound, no reply, no response. These people have tried really hard to get their God's attention. They dance, they shout, they cut themselves. And don't forget, this is happening all day, all day calling out, doing this all day for their God to notice, but nothing. Their God had let them down. Until Elijah's turn, verse 30. Then Elijah called to the people, come over here. They crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold three gallons. He piled the wood on the altar, cut the bowl into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. He's built this altar with stones and wood, and he digs this big trench around it. If you haven't heard this story before, you might be wondering, what's the plan with the trench? Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. After they had done this, he said, do the same again. And, and when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. Now, I'm not much of a camper. I don't build a lot of outside fires. The fires that I usually build are turned on with the flip of a switch in my living room. But I knew, I do know one thing. I knew water is really bad for fires and for starting them. By pouring all this water on the altar, Elijah is taking a risk that if God didn't show up, he'd be in a lot of trouble. I think he's trying to show them that there are no tricks here. He's saying, this is all about my God. What is about to happen is all from the God that I serve. So let's see what happens. Verse 36, at the usual time for offering the sacrifice. Now, just check out how relaxed Elijah seems here. Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done this all at your command. Oh Lord, answer me, answer me, so these people will know that you, oh Lord, are God, and that you have brought them back to yourself. <laughs> I love what Elijah did. He just prayed. There's no dancing, there's no raving, there's no cutting himself, no shouting to try and wake up his God. Just a simple 20-second prayer. Elijah didn't waste any word, words, and I love the fact that in his prayer, it was clear that fire was just a tool the ultimate goal wasn't to burn up the sacrifice, but a tool to bring people back to God, back to his God. If you call yourself a Christian, we need to remember that we shouldn't, we don't get too caught up in the signs, but aim for life change. We all like the spectacular, but sometimes we waste it because 
All we had was an experience and nothing in our lives changed. Whenever God shows up, he doesn't do it just to make an appearance. He wants something to change. So what happens? Verse 38, immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. I have no idea how you burn dust. It even licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they they fell face down the ground and cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Now, after seeing how fast that happened, I'd probably be on the ground too. (laughs) I'd probably be saying the same thing. And I already believe that the Lord is God. Elijah's God had won the contest. The chapter goes on and it ends with Elijah praying for God to send rain and it rains. The drought was over. I love this story. It it showed the people proof that God was real and worth following. They needed to evaluate if there was anything in the place of God in their lives. Is there anything in your life where where you are listening to the promises of a false God? Now, it sounds something like this. If you work harder, you will be secure. If you make more money, then you'll have a better life and a more fulfilled life. How about this one? Do anything you can to make your kids happy. Is there anything that we've put in the place of where God should be? Is there anything in our lives that is set up as a false God who might not even know you that one day will let you down? It's time for the question of the day. It's just a time for you to reflect on what we've talked about. Feel free to talk about this with the the people that you're watching with, or if you're watching on your own, just take a moment and think about it by yourself. Here's the question. Is there anything in your life in the place of where God should be? We might not talk about false gods. We are educated people. We don't worship fall fire gods anymore. But let's talk about trusting in, putting our faith in, having something in a position that it shouldn't be in the position of a personal, loving, and caring God. What are you placing your trust in? Maybe, maybe it's your kids. You do everything for them. Your life is their life. Your social life revolves around what they do. And when you're alone with your spouse, you find it hard to find other topics to talk about other than your kids. 
Maybe you're trusting in your job. Maybe, maybe it's become your identity. You sacrifice everything for your work. You've given up time with your family. You can't count the, you can't count the number of meals you've missed because of work engagements. You know when you get a text from your spouse that says, we need to talk, you know something's going to come up about the number of hours you've spent on climbing that ladder. Let me tell you, one day you're going to leave that job. The day after you're gone, someone's going to even move into your old, your old office. Eventually, you'll be forgotten. Is your job your God? Are you putting your trust into something that will let you down? Like Elijah prayed, a 20-second prayer. What would it look like for you to do the same? Maybe you call yourself a Jesus follower today and you want to make sure that there is nothing in the place of God. Your prayer is this, Father God, would you show me today if there's anything in the place of where you should be? How many put my trust in you? Rearrange my life to put you in the place of being my leader and person who I put my trust in. Help me to find opportunities for you to be shown powerfully in my life. Amen. Now, Maybe today you wouldn't call yourself a Jesus follower or even a Christian. Now, this might be hard for you, but I think that you're watching for reason. And I think you have questions about what should be in the place of total leadership in your life. Take the next seconds and pray, take the next 20 seconds to pray this with me. Father God, I don't know you well or at all, but like the story we heard today, would you help me see the signs all around me that you love me and that you care for me and that you want a relationship with me? Amen something happens this week, if that was you and you prayed that prayer with me, if you see God showing himself to you this week, would you do something for me? I want to I wanna hear about it. Email me. Tell me your story at troy at clcc.ca. Let's read from Revelations chapter 1. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Have a great week.